This week on Inside Motorsport, we look back at the opening round of the Shannon's Nationals at Eastern Creek. And we'll also talk about what Vettel did in Sepang. I hope you'll stay with us. Joining me on the line is Gary O'Brien. He's the Nationals editor of the Auto Action. And uh, Gary, it's great to have you on Inside Motorsport. Um, hello to everyone, it's good to be Interestingly enough, it's an interesting weekend to join us because uh, over in Malaysia, there was a lot of controversy when we saw two teams give out orders. One was followed by their drivers, the uh, others, well, they're still arguing about it now and uh, Sebastian Vettel gets the win over Aussie's Mark Webber. Yeah, I'm, I'm not a great fan of uh, team orders, uh, but um, there are reasons why they do it because of the uh, limited engines and whatnot that they have throughout the season. And you've got to conserve what you have, or else you take uh, uh, grid penalties as a result. But um, by the same token, I mean if you everything's gambling online and all that now, that you know it's severely jeopardised by team orders. And I mean if you were betting a betting man and there was no team orders, and you're on Weber, you're a home and hose, but wasn't to be, was it? No, and the interesting thing is people go, well, Weber should have raced him. But if you're in Mark's position, he's turning the engine back, he's trying to, as you said, conserve the race car, he's being told that his teammate's going to form up behind him, he's not in a mindset where I'm going to have to defend on every corner because I'm getting messages here to conserve, conserve, conserve. And that's where the problem lies, not the fact that Sebastian decided to race all the way to the end. Well, I, I suggested in some quarters that um, perhaps that's the reason why Vettel's a multiple world champion and Weber isn't. But, you know, it's um, a matter of stuffing uh, team orders and going hell for leather regardless of what you've been told. And, and Weber did it a couple of years ago at Silverstone, if you remember, he says you're right as well. Mm, an interesting problem to have, though, when your cars both are at the front of the field like that, which wasn't the case in Melbourne a week before, but Red Bull bounced back, as did Mercedes, and uh, it was an amazing podium, wasn't it? Because it looked like none of the drivers were happy to be there. Or happy with each other's company, either, <laughs> for that matter. Uh, and then, of course, um, Lotus uh, not doing anything after the remarkable form they had down here in Australia. For sure, I think we both enjoyed that, uh, of course. Um, I'm standing in the middle now, so I enjoyed it probably a little bit more. But, uh, yeah, I think we have plenty of time to talk about. I won a race as well, but in the end, the team uh, yeah, made a decision, uh, which we always say before the start of the race is probably how it's going to be. We look after the tyres, get the car to the end, and uh, in the end, Seb made his own decisions today, and we'll have protection as usual, and that's the way it goes. I can't say it's uh, the best feeling being up here, but... Um, Racing is racing, and, and uh, I really just got to keep looking forward. It's going to be an interesting time ahead in, as they set sail for China in a couple of weeks' time. In Australia, though, you were enjoying the Shannon's Nationals, and it's a series that over the years, Gary, you've really watched develop and flourish. It has. You know, we don't get a lot of people out at the track, but a lot of them are watching online and do... Um, every Sunday that the meeting's on, even some Saturdays. So it's good from that perspective. And as I've been generating a lot of interest over an extended period of time to the point now that it is really, you know, our second tier race series. And um, it's fitting in well with what we do. Um, all meetings are now relatively strong in entries. And it's, I can't see doing anything else but going from strength to strength. And it still visits a lot of the tracks that aren't, any aren't on the V8 supercar calendar anymore, like Malala, 
and uh, of course it, and, and Wakefield Park. So it gives these tracks an opportunity to have a, a higher prestige of race. Of course, and, and it gives uh, the guys that would normally um, and nowhere else, a chance to go interstate and race at um, some of the other circuits around the country, the British circuits, as it, as it were. Mm. Now, if you look at the names, Tabnorm, Garrich, Riccadello and Muston, they're all the names of winners right across the weekend. They certainly were, and about uh, touring cars, for those who are uninitiated, uh, the, basically the third level of V8 supercars, but some interesting motor vehicles there, a lot of... BA, BF Falcons, VZ Commodores and a few older ones as well, all with great pedigree, some in their original colours and we've seen some racing that uh, re really reflects back on that era. There was a fair bit of rub and, rub and push and uh, little bits of panel damage, some fines handed out and really the end of the round it came down to wherever the, the penalty points went <laughs> as to who won the round and of course uh, Shay Davis walked out of the round as the race winner. The, the Porsche Cup driver, from ex-Formula Ford uh, star, in his first run in this series, and uh, ironically, in the car that won the series last week with Josh Hunter at the world. Mm. He's also been trying to get over to the United States where he did a bit of driving there as well. So whilst he is still a young man, he's had plenty of diverse experiences. Oh, versatility means a lot in this this day and age. You know, you've got to be able to, to drive different sorts of motor cars and what better way to do it than um, in, in the categories we've got here. Mm. One thing, another series which is gaining a lot of popularity is the Radical Australia Cup. And interesting to see that a very well-known name in Australian motorsport, Madiki, was featured across the weekend there. Well, these guys, uh, like the Paul Stokel, um, George Madiki, uh, and uh, Barton Moyer and that they're, they're more behind the scenes guys like Barton Moyer is the DSO for the series and the advisor and they're all advising or they're in a uh, team management role or in a co-driver's role and of course when they jump in as co-drivers there's extra penalties on the compulsory pit stops but this is this is a, a growing um, trend in this category James Winslow is another one that's been involved in it a two-time Formula 3 Gold Star champion so it's developing these drivers along and let's face it none of these guys are poor that are running in radical cup australia they're um they, they want to turn up and race on the weekend they don't want to have to tow a car home or do any of that sort of stuff and this is the one that suits them best mm. now interesting in sports sedans we see the deswall trophy race being a, a, a new honor that's being bestowed on the uh, nationals and particularly the uh, yeah. kerrick sports sedans yeah, this this is um, in in memory of the late Des Wald who passed away last year. A very strong supporter of sports sedans, and what the organisers have deemed to do is that the first round of each year from now on, and the last race of the of the round, the third race, you might as well say, will be for the Des Wald Trophy. And of course, the next round go to South Australia and we have the Clem Smith Cup, which is previously and still probably is the hallmark event for the series, the one that everyone wants to win. Mm. Now, when you talk sports sedans, you normally talk Tony Riccadello and Darren Hozak, and it was those two right up there again. They certainly were. Um, good for one, not so good for the other. Tony Riccadello got pole and won all three races. Hossack uh, had a poor start in the first race, dropped down the order a little bit, but got back to second. In the second race, he was... 
um, in front when uh, they had a small fire in the car and that he had to pit to, to get that extinguished. And in the third race, he came from last back to second, was pressing Riccadello and had a big moment down at uh, turn one, the big fast sweeper, and speared off and hit a tie barrier. Fortunately, car wasn't too badly damaged and Darren was okay, but uh, certainly the ego would have copped a little bit of a training out of that one because it's not an ideal way to start your championship off. No, of course, a lot of the drivers in the saloon cars were keeping their mind on the race weekend, but also thinking about the Australian six hours that comes up in July. Yeah, this is a this is an odd sort of event. But when I say odd, I don't mean peculiar. It's just so different from what we normally do. In that, it's um it's open to GT Championship cars and classes A and B of the production uh, car fraternity. So it's going to be interesting to see who runs because on that same weekend we have rounds of those two championships, uh, which will be played out on the Saturday, and it'll be interesting to see who uh, feels fronts back up on the Sunday to be part of this. The Australian six hour. Mm. Well, it's just uh, now 23 days away from the second round at Malala, and of course, all the action can be seen on Speed Week on SBS. Yeah, and on the national site, there's a link there to watch it live on the Sunday. So, good categories for VA touring cars, saloon cars, sports, and again, Porsche, uh, Cup, uh, Cup Challenge, and um, yeah, so it's going to be up a pretty good uh, lineup of categories actually. Gary, pleasure to have you here on Inside Motorsport and look forward to catching up with you again soon. Yeah, all the That's all we have time for this week on Inside Motorsport. Until next time round, keep smiling and bye for now. Inside Motorsport is produced by Thunder Media for the Community Radio Network.